After we got to be breakfast this morning, I went to town and talked to Ray and Francis and their daughter. Well, uh, their daughter is uh, married to uh, Matt Johnson. And Matt Johnson is one of Blaine's daughter's sons. And so uh, the king, my, that's my mother-in-law, that's where so there's maids everywhere. <laughs> and even their last name doesn't have to be made to be made. She showed me a picture of him. He's got the nose. So, yeah. Huh? Richardson said maids are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway. Any other crazy prayer request? Anne's better. She's coming out of it. Uh, she's not here tonight, but she'll and um, uh, Chelsea's daughter Leah had a concussion from the phone. I didn't hear about it, but when you take that concussion, you play soccer. Um, and they hit the yeah, That's the reason they're in soccer. They're trying to do away with the hair that they need to do. Uh, called the fleas of concussion. They're trying to get away from that. Um, you know, the game you had your hand Yeah, going to Honduras Sunday. Yeah. I don't know if you know, Tamla's going to take over for Todd. Okay. And so she's, and Jason's going for the first time. Right. They're getting dark stuff out Okay. You know how it is. Yeah. So yeah. I'm getting the at me too, but you don't want to get behind me. Yeah. You know, it's good. Anyway, so keep our team in prayer. Okay. <clears throat> and I actually have to bring the message on what I need to Yeah, do what? Bring the message on Wednesday night service because the preacher backed out. Oh, yeah. So I need extra prayer. Yeah. Be sure to fan back. I'll go to the gate You better, they better film now I have to wear a tie. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't. I don't tell Tamla. I don't want. I want that. I told Todd. I said we had seven or eight church services last week uh, in Guatemala. Not one preacher wore a tie, including me. I know. He said, "Well, that's Guatemala." I'm like, "Okay, Todd." Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We were in Guatemala. Not one female wore short preacher, did it? No, sir. Yeah, it's too cold. Yeah. But I mean, well, it was cold, but it, but you didn't wear short. I didn't do that. Yeah. In fact, one of the interpreters got sent back to the hotel to change clothes because he don't. He, he had short clothes. Gary, the um, lady several sent a package, a couple of packages under to Tanner, okay. and he received them. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Great. Any other prayers for me? I'd like to give a praise also because I've had been having some heart deaths done yeah. and everything turned out great. So mm-hmm. Robert says I don't have one, but oh well. <laughs> because he has what he thought. Just because he had I said, I don't know how That was a rough one. <laughs>
after the period three was falling. After the after we you used fire for us to punish me, but I don't laugh. I said, well, I ain't the one that lost my sense of humor. And uh, she said, well, I just don't think it's funny. I said, well, maybe you need to change your perspective. You said, there's a lot of things I can change. I said, well, I had that. I that's a small show. I told her, I said, I'm going to go next week and get her off the back of me. You want me to take an extra hope? He said, what are you saying? I said, you think you're going to make some changes? I mean, I'm just going to help you out.
when we finished, we were talking about that the children of Rebecca had not yet been born. And God did this choosing even before uh, He created the world. And so uh, the children of Rebecca had done neither good nor evil. And God blessed me in Israel in Romans 11 7. Uh, the children of Rebecca show the purpose of God. God is always concerned uh, to fulfill His purpose. In Ephesians 1, uh, chapter, uh, Ephesians 1, verses 9 through 11, He's going to fulfill His purpose. Irregardless of whether we want to be a part of it or not, uh, His purposes will be fulfilled. God carried out His eternal purpose through Christ in Ephesians 3, 11. His eternal purposes were, were, were carried out through Jesus Christ. Through His death, through His birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, uh, ascension, and His eventual return is all God's eternal plan. Alright? And so, uh, the, children of, the children of Rebecca show salvation is not based on work. They hadn't even been born and God made a choice. It's not based on work. Uh, God does not base the salvation of anyone on work. Titus 3, 5. No matter how great you do, you remember the, you, you know where it says, uh, uh, Lord, Lord, look what we did. We can't, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We did this and we did that. And he says, depart from me for I never knew you. It's not about work. There are whole denominations built on work rather than faith. Now they have faith intertwined in it, but the whole point of it is what have you done? Where have you served? What are you serving? What are you doing? And it's never been about work because if that was the case, then people could earn their way into heaven, and you cannot. If that was the case, if it was about works, Christ would have never had to have died. He died because there had to be a perfect sacrifice. There had to be somebody walked this earth who was without blemish who is without fault. And the only person that was able to do that was Jesus Christ. And so, uh, and so God does what He does apart from works in Romans 11, 6. God chose and called us to salvation. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14. Called us to salvation. We still have to accept or reject we still have to open the door and let him come in. We still have to decide that we're going to serve him or reject him. And I, I, I talked to a, uh, to a guy this afternoon when I was picking up the boys at school. Uh, and he was saying, you know, it's all Sunday, it's all satisfied, it's all this. I said, well, if that's the case, why, not, why does he have us with us? What's the purpose of us with us? If it's already set out and it's already decided who's going to be what, then we didn't have a choice then. We didn't have to decide. He's going to bust the door down and come over there. It's not decided. Otherwise, the word whosoever could have never been it. Because he said, whosoever call upon my name, show my parents and have everlasting life. I'm a whosoever. It, it can't, and it's not. Yes, he knows who's coming and he knows who's not. But he's not forcing them to come. And that's, that's the thing there. You know, it, go ahead, Robert. Well, I just want to add to that because it, it is 
hard to see this thing in election and, right. and through the ages they've written right. and rewritten mm -hmm. and everything else. But, but Paul was really s stressing the details of the doctrine here. He's saying, you guys should have known. You, you guys should, I'm going to ask some questions later, and I'm not going to answer them. You should have known what the yeah. Old Testament said. Right. It said already. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart. And who did he harden here but Israel's heart? Okay. Who did he harden here but Israel's heart? A remnant came through this. Right. And we don't see Isaiah's comment about that. Not all of Israel will be saved. Yeah. It's election. It's election. It has to be. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Yeah. In the last chapter, 8 was all about the Spirit. More Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. Okay. Words and discussion in that. and that. So, coming down through this, and, and now you're going into the patriarchs, right. and some of the actual election stuff, Isaac. Right. I think you can get to that. But yeah. the point is, they know this story. Yeah. And the Jews are the remnant in this church at Rome. They're the remnant here. And he's trying to get across to them. I'm not answering your questions, guys. You know those answers already. Listen to what I'm saying with this new covenant. It ain't a new covenant. It's nested in the old covenant. This hasn't disappeared. God's promises are eternal. It's coming through. It's coming through. Remember that one guy with the he had to dress up in the Halloween thing and he had a shower around him and he said, what's going around? It's coming around again. And he's running out of the shower hook to him trying to hide from these guys that are going to tear him up. He couldn't see a thing. Neither could these Israelites. They couldn't see a thing. It may have been they thought they were hiding from God himself, but they couldn't. And now Paul knowing that he was doing the wrong thing and hiding, is coming out from under the curtain, out from under the temple. God already knows this temple is going to be destroyed in a few short years. This is about the mid-50s when he's writing. Paul doesn't know, but God knows. Well, he's totally going to tear it Right. And the rest, yeah. And the remnant is going to go out throughout the world yeah. and it's going to carry what? The same story right. that God gave the Israelites when he started. Faith. And I'm yeah. sure you'll elaborate on that. Faith and belief and trust. I'm going to add, instead of, instead of phrasing this as a statement, I'm going to phrase this as a question. When does God call us to a worthy walk? Before or after we're saved? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, God calls us to a worthy walk only after we are saved. You don't understand it. Right, I know. But yes, it's an open-ended question. But yes, you can't walk worthily unless you're saved. How do you walk worthily? You've got to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You can't be done. You can you can emulate it, and you can, you can kind of articulate it, but you can't do it because you're Fruits won't bear you up. 
That's why, that's why people fail all the time when they're trying in ministry and they're, and they're ripping people off and they're doing this. I, I watched a thing today I went to was shocked in all my life. They introduced this pack and, and he was an evangelist. And the smoke and the fire. It's like he was entering the Super Bowl. And here he is, the one who's like so and so, he comes running out and go. And people are going crazy. And they play the game of kick the fire. Yeah. Is that the one where the preacher was swinging on a ball like a, the wrecking ball song? Yeah. 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 I mean, hey, hey, I have football field lined up there on the stage. And you want to flip the coin, head to tail, and you want to. You want to kick or receive? He said, I'll receive. And he starts preaching about receiving the Word of God. How do you understand? But you can see that it wasn't about the Word of God. It was about this pastor being the famous pastor and putting on a show. You know, and uh, it's never been about that. God called us to His eternal glory. First Peter. Now, when we come to salvation, somebody has got to share the gospel. You gotta hear it. Faith comes from what? And hearing by what? That's right. And so that's what we're called to do. We're called to share the gospel. We're not called to save anybody. We can't. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's the work of God. It's not us. All we do is deliver a message. And He convicts the heart. He's the one who convicts the heart, and then that person has to respond to God and the Holy Spirit. You don't have to respond to a man. Because God can convict somebody while they're alone in their home or wherever. When he finds that he's working on your heart and you're and you're vulnerable to receive it, or you're at a place to receive it, it will happen. You can't choose when you're going to have your salvation on. You can't choose it. So these people say, well, I'm going to wait until I'm such and such and such, but not going to live my life. Maybe. Maybe you'll get back. Maybe you'll have an opportunity. Maybe you won't. What happens if you were in an accident and you become a paraplegic or a veteran? How are you going to do it? You can't. So when it's presented to you, you know, it says the kingdom of heaven is near, you better accept it. The door of salvation is open. You better walk through it. And you have people, you know, if God's such a loving God, why is He sending people to hell? He ain't sending nobody to hell. You're sending yourself. He gives you an opportunity. Accept me and be have eternal life. Reject me and have eternal damnation. That's the choice. And people think it's a joke. A joke. We, or we don't. Or a myth. Or a myth. It's just not. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, the, the, the things that you will hear. Uh, the children of Rebecca show that it was based on whom God called. God is the one who called, justifies, and glorifies. Romans 8, uh, 28 and 30. Yes, He called us. We had the same opportunity as those atheists out there. The same opportunity God called. And then when we were presented with it, we had to come to an understanding of whether we were going to accept what he was telling us or, or showing us or reject it. That's it. Once you accept it, the moment you accept it, you are saved. And, and as you go, there's another thing. 
cannot lose your salvation. Now, you can backslide and you can run the world. All you got to do is go to 1 Corinthians. It'll tell you all about it. It'll tell you all about it. They put him out of the church. Not for the loss of his salvation, but to the flesh. That he would maybe the flesh would turn him back to what he knows to be true. But he would stand for salvation. He would not lose his salvation. Go ahead. I just heard a sermon by Adrian Rogers, and he talked about if you're a child of God, true child of God, turn away from him for a season. He will chasten you. He will come after you and you will be basically miserable until right. you turn back. Right. But if, if you have no chastening and no guilt and no remorse right. and no, you weren't saved again. Right. Right. And that's between him that's the person of God. Yeah. It's not between us. We can't see it. But if you are saved, you have a wholehearted salvation you know without a count of you're going to heaven and you go through a season where it's dark. You can't lose your salvation. The only way you can do that, and I don't know that you can do that. I don't think your I don't think your soul will allow you to deny what you know. Because it's not your work. It's not your work. If it was up to you, then when he says, you know, when he says, whom the Father puts in my hands, no man can take out. I've seen people mad at God. Oh, yeah, I've seen mad at God. Mad, but not say, you're not God. I don't believe in God. I never told, I never said he wasn't God. Right. I was angry. I don't want to hear anything he had to say. So I'm done. I, done. I walked away. I was done. I was stupid. I was angry. He took my brother and he took my dad away. 12 months of each other. I was pissed off. And that's the only way to put it. And I walked, it took me five of the most miserable years of my life to come to the understanding that I needed God. And I was miserable. I was mad at the world. Didn't want to talk to nobody. Didn't want to treat nobody well. Except my family. I didn't care anything else about anybody else. Didn't laugh. Didn't laugh. I was a miserable human being. And he got a hold of me. He chooses. Yeah. And how he does that. Mm -hmm. And he has so poignant how he chooses yeah. to save the world. Mm -hmm. One man. If you go back to the time when Israel had 70 people, <coughs> at the same time, there were 70 nations, ethnic groups, ethnic <coughs> nations as ethnic. So <coughs> one Israelite for every nation. Think of that. One, 70 people. And I said Deuteronomy 32, 7, and 9. Where he gives, God gives the inheritance of the whole world to the nations. Yep. All of it. In the count of the sons of Israel at that time of 70. And he gave away everything. And he took a people who had no land in a sense. At 70, they were sold into slavery, remember? Goshen? They didn't have much left after Joseph saved their well, God saved their life in Israel, in Egypt. And he hardens the heart to bring God's plan through. Hardens the heart in another bit of life. We're coming up to it. 
he's going to talk about it. Paul is saying, hey, it's not that. But this whole thing is a plan. This whole thing is nested in a story, a narrative that God is going to save the people, right? Because the children of Rebecca showed that it's based on whom God called. Now God says we are to make our calling and our election sure. So when he calls and we're elected, we're to make sure of that. We're to make it sure. We're accepting it. We have, we have to accept it and then we have to live by it. We have to work on it. We have to grow. We have to live by faith. And how do you how do you grow in your faith? You get chastised. How do you know when your mom and dad are serious about telling you know about something? They're chasing you. My faith, they, they wore me out. They asked you questions. Yeah. Well, they had questions, but most of the time, they would come here and like, bring a switch. Like, you know, uh, Amos, when he asked the question, hey, yeah. how, how do you, what do you mean you got to be born again? How do, you, how, how do you do that? He's beginning to ask questions. Yeah, I was a hard-headed boy. And sometimes uh, it takes a long time for those answers. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, that's what I found out. You know, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. Because <laughs> you're going to get wore out. Uh, God says that we're to make our calling and our election sure. Second Peter 1 10. You know, you have, we, have, we get chastened, trust us. We, we get open to you and you can't hear him. And he's probably got you in a season where you need to be quiet and listen. And that's a problem that I have is I don't like to be quiet. I don't. I don't like to, I don't like to be quiet and listen. I have this impulse that somebody says something that pops in my head, I go out and make it say it. Not necessarily a smart thing to do and not necessarily a polite thing to do. But that I have I'm working on not doing it. You know, uh, but he how do you learn? You get trained. How do you train? You practice. How do you practice? By repetition. I repetition. So, you'll hear me pray for a lot of things, but patience ain't one of them. Because the only way you're going to learn patience is you're going to have to experience it over and over and over again until you develop patience. I'm better than I was, but I ain't acting for it. And there's still some things that I just don't, I just won't do. You know, it's like standing in line to eat dinner. I hate it. I hate it. And the reason I hate it is because I spent three years standing in line to eat three times a day. I don't like it. And if I have to pull up to a restaurant that everybody wants to go to and there's a line outside, I ain't going. I'm just not. What does your wife say? She says she wants to stand in line. I say, well, have that. I'll go eat somewhere else. I'll come back and pick you up. I ain't going. Or if you call a girl, then they'll go and I'll still go somewhere. I just have to go. Huh? You won't have to chicken. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I mean, when well, you got a line, two lines wrapped around the nah, I don't need a piece of chicken that day. I can go to KFC and get a whole bucket packed of that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so God said that older would serve the younger in, in verse 12. Now, God spoke to Rebecca before the children were born. And God spoke to Rebecca when the children were struggling within her. In Genesis 25, 22. And, and God said the older would serve the younger. And God said the older would serve the younger in Genesis 25, 23. One verse after he told them struggling when he spoke to Rebecca. God fulfilled that as the descendants of Esau served David. The descendants of Esau served David. 
Esau served David in 2 Samuel 8, 14. God fulfilled that as the descendants of Esau served Jehoshaphat in 1 Kings 22-47. It's amazing how these things tie together. It's amazing that if you, if you, if you look in your Bible, and sometimes down the middle column of it has these verses. And if you just flip to some of them verses, this stuff pops out. You know, it's got related verses and related books. And uh, and so it's called that's called a reference in the middle. And it gives you a saves you from having to go look it all up. It just stops there, it's like a reference. So uh, and there's other things that it does in there too, when you got little letters and big letters and numbers and things, so it, but anyway. Uh, and so uh, God said Jacob was the one who carried on the promise. What promise was he talking about? The promise of Abraham. The Abraham covenant said Jacob was the one to carry on the promise in 1913. God said that Jacob was the one he loved. He said he loved Jacob in Malachi 1-2. And he said, uh, God said Esau was the one he hated. God said that he hated Esau in Malachi 1-3. And so, if you go verse 1, uh, Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, Malachi chapter 1, verse 3. He loved Jacob. He hated Esau. Uh, he didn't destroy Esau. He just didn't favor Esau. Right. It was not because he hated it, but not we think that. I think the word um, is not well understood. Most every commentary says yeah. that. Yeah. It, 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 I will have mercy basically. Yeah. I will have mercy on whom I'm going to yeah. have mercy on. He said, I will. Yeah, basically, he's going to bless who he blesses and he's going to not who he's not. He didn't curse him. He didn't, he didn't curse him. God, but he didn't wipe him out either. He chose these people. Right. And, and for his purpose. It says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of the peoples of the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. The Lord did not set His affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath He swore to your ancestors. Is, that is the keeping promises. I don't know what it is. Yeah. That he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. In other words, even on the land. From the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And back to Genesis 12. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessed brother. Huge promises, and they're couched in a little bit of a hidden mystery because it's hard to parse that out to see what is going to happen. And so, uh, as we go into verse 14 to 29, uh, we're talking about Israel's rejection of God and justice. And so, uh, I'm going to start reading 14, and I'll probably stop at about 19, and then we'll go again. Uh, it says, uh, 
What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says that the Pharaoh, uh, for the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, uh, he has mercy on whom he will, and whom he will be pardoned. Uh, you will say to them, or say to me then, why does he still find fault? Uh, for who has resisted his will? But, it, but indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing uh, form say to him uh, who formed it? Why have you made me like this? Does it not, uh, does not the poor or the potter have power over the clay from the same want to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? We'll stop right there. I mean, he's getting into it, yeah. Where's the equitable distribution there? Huh? Where's the equitable distribution the uh, non-believers say? God's not fair. Where's the reality? Is life fair? And, I mean, is life fair? No, no it's not. Now you get to explain. If he were fair, we'd all be in hell. Yeah. If he were fair, we'd all be in hell. Only God would put it this way. Um, and that's why Paul's asking these questions. And, and we ask these questions. And he's Paul's anticipating this congregation at Rome right. to ask these questions, which he does not answer. He's anticipating this. Who do you think you are? Yeah. 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 This is God. You are not God. Who do you think you are? Is what voting about the mass. And if you want to know how that played out, if you want to know how that, yeah, you want to know how that played out. Go read the book of Job. Go read the book of Job. How did that work out for Job? What God happened? Said, Where were you when I laid off the foundation of the world? Where were you when I dropped the plumb bottom? The breadth and the width and the depth and the height. No. Job was in pain when he was asking them questions. Yeah, he was in pain. When you're in pain, when you're in pain, you're asking stuff. Yeah. And asking is not wrong. Right. Asking is not wrong. Expecting him to give you the answer you want is wrong. Because when we ask our questions, we want that answer that we're looking for, not the answer that he's going to give. How many times you prayed for something and it didn't turn out the way you wanted it, but it turned out better? You know, oh Lord, I got these bills to pay, and I feel just help me get this extra number money, I'll be able to pay this, this, and this. And I need twenty-seven dollars and fifty-seven cents. And all of a sudden, you know, you go to the mailbox one day, man, there's a hundred dollars. If you didn't know you had coming. You pay the $27.50 off, and then you got the rest of this money. What are you going to do with it? You going to give me another pack of God? Are you going to stick it in your pocket? Say, ooh, ooh, windfall. I mean, 
You know, that's the deal. That that's the deal there. <laughs> that's not a great example, but it kind of shows us where we're at. Uh, and so God is the one who chooses to whom he will show mercy. 9, 14 to 29 is what we're going to talk about. Uh, mercy, uh, chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. Mercy has its source in the will of God. We receive mercy. What does he tell us to do? God forgave us. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to forgive one. Those who trust back against us, correct? What happens when we don't forgive those who wrong? No, it does not go well. Winds up, we wind up holding a little grudge. That little grudge winds up in our head, and it kind of hardens in our heart. And whatever that person's name is mentioned, our whole demeanor changes. And we're letting that person live rent free <laughs> in our head because they have no idea you're holding that grudge. Where? Yeah. I don't tell you, if you're going to leave in my head, you're going to pay. You're going to pay. Nobody's going to live in my head rent free. No, we don't, we don't do that. There's a high rent to live up back. And there's plenty of room, too. Yeah. <laughs> and the converse of that is at age 70, I end up forgetting my stepmom. And all kinds of weight fell off of me. Yeah. Um, I think most glorious things happen. Now, there's dividends in this stuff. Yeah. Uh, test God. See that he's good and that he does these things. Uh, we have a relationship now. I mean, it's not like, you know, the best relationship in the world, but it isn't near that in any connotation at all. It's, it's working. Yeah. Well, we, um, I have a neighbor, and I, I'm here working on the deck and I kind of go over every day and say hello and the deck looks nice and, and one day I guess I caught him a bad day I don't know he's just every day come over and say give me your five bucks he's yelling at me I'm like what I'm like, I'm like okay well, I, I walk away and I'm all you know yeah I feel awful and so the first day okay I'm waiting for him to say he's sorry yeah. And but God's like, okay, Kurt, you go and apologize to him. What? <laughs> I want you to go and apologize to him and, and work this out. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> I, I'm the one who's offended. <laughs> you know, and, you, and you look at the scriptures. If anyone has something against yeah. you, you know, it's like Yeah. Well, Bring your offer to the altar and why, leave it. Why, it. It ain't gonna make it right. Why does God's way act and so I'm I'm I don't even know what I'm saying sorry for, but I go over, I'm really sorry, went that way, and, and I hope we can still be friends. Oh, yeah, everything's great. You know, I'm working. But God's way is different than our way, and yeah. you just have to go. He probably mashed his finger about five minutes before you come up to you got to humble yourself and just say, God, I'm, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know? It sounds like you were working on his heart. Yeah, very possible. Yeah, and maybe the way I live is irritating to him. You know, it's like when you see somebody that the, the Lord's blessing, you know, it just kind of gets people. It's like, well, you don't have this, and you don't have this, and you don't have that, and you're so happy. What's the matter? You don't get it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so God certainly is not unright, and He's certainly not unfair. I mean, that's the question you're going to get. You know, 
The guy living under the bridge, the murderer, the, 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 the guy who's questioning it, the, the man who's depressed and can't see the daylight for the darkness. All that, the mercy and, and grace is there for everyone. All they have to do is accept it. You talk about salvation. I'm talking yeah. about the, that's how you get hurt. But Paul's saying to you on that comment, he's saying, I don't, just because you desire it and you give the extra effort doesn't mean I'm going to give it. That's I right. still love you. Right. And he's but he promised uh, that he would if you called upon his name. Yeah. And Paul's being, he's being direct. Right. right. He's being direct. Right. Joe, Joe didn't deserve, according to us, right. what he got. <laughs> But God says it's up to me who I show. God is God who shows no part of It's to show God's glory, not our, not our love, not our benefit out of it. It's God's glory. And God was glorified. Can you imagine Satan walking away with, well, he'll just curse you to your face. Yeah. You're nothing, God. Why would you do this for nothing? And can you imagine... The glory of God. I mean, um, Satan bit the dust on that. Yeah. Because why? Because Job was restored. And then you think about it, all those who love and trust God, everything works together for good. We will be restored. Satan won't be. Right. <laughs> this you're hitting my and why I'm getting excited about it because this is my message on that Wednesday night. Okay. And because. For a lot of people, they always ask, and our brother who's overseas now asks this question here, why do good things happen to bad people? And, I'm, I'm, and it's been on my mind ever since. But Job, God knew Job would, Job wouldn't curse him. Yeah. He knew it. Then why did he put him through that? Why did he put him through it? For his glory. <laughs> For God's glory. And that's hard to see. Okay, but break it down. That's, well, that's there's a, nothing more to break out. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's you do this. We're here. You yeah. know, I can look and say, is for His glory. Period. We were born for His glory. How is He glorified? How is He glorified? glorified? Job did not cut God. Job, he suffered, but he did not cut God. I'm going to try to do this. I know. <laughs> God was glorified through Job's action. Yes, he suffered. Yes, his buddy let him down. Yes, his wife come. Just cut him and die. And, and yet he did it in that last. Now, he questioned it. He questioned it. And he got an answer. <laughs> but, but he never cussed God and never doubted. And what did God's the God's uh, answer is usually in imperatives, they right. say. And he says, you know, gird up your loins. Gird up your pants. Be a man. That's, that's what he said. Gird up your loins and be a man. Man up. And, and, and he's encouraging Job in those words. Then he goes and he turns around and says, hey, to you three guys, uh, Job, you go out. He doesn't talk to them. He talks to Job. You make a nice little altar here and you uh, sacrifice for those three guys that got to run. And you pray for them and you restore them. And, and so glory... God passes on to Job in a sense, not that there's any glory in that, but that Job is interceding it. here. I, I don't claim to understand that. The, the train of thought I was on, and, and you can correct me because this will help me. Because God does everything for a purpose. 
Yeah. And so he knew Job was going to not deny him or right. curse him. Was it to teach Job that he was stronger than he actually thought he was? Is what I was thinking. And also to show Satan, look, you're wrong to prove a point to Satan. You know, because you... you I, I think the key word that began in verses in the first few chapters was integrity. He would not yield his integrity, his belief in God. Yeah. He would not yield. Yeah. Even when his wife told him the first time about And for that, um, not always, it's up to God. God restored him. Kimbo, uh, that woman had to have 20 children. If you read that, right? Uh, 20 children. And then turned around and had to, uh, but, but you know, he, he didn't give the woman a double portion of children there. He gave him a double portion of the sheep, the camels, the goats, everything else. He got twice what he originally had. Yeah, amazing. Uh, I, had a, I had a man tell me, God will not give you anything that's harder than you can handle. And I said, uh, that's not in the Bible. And he said, well, what are you saying? I said, God will give you things that are hard and you can't handle it. And, and his intention, like to Job, is to learn, I can't do this. Except with your help. Here's what enough for you to drive you to your knees. I think that the secret mystery in there for Job was he didn't know that Satan was put up to do that for him. Well, we don't know when Satan happened. We don't know what we're subjected to either. Then the test. This was a test. Right. It was a test. It wasn't a cry. It was a God didn't test. But God tests. He tells you test of fear. He trusts that he knows you so well that you will glorify him in that test. And that's pretty cool. You know, there is one thought here at the end of all this that I want to share with you that that is what a movie about to say. Um, listen to him. I might have to just kind of read through it. But it, what it is is the Old Testament is like this dark room. It's like a dark room. Real dark, a lot of furniture in it. And the New Testament turns the light on in that room. Now you can see the couch, but you want to move it. You want to change it. You want to move that couch to a different place. That's the problem. Leave the furniture alone. And that's that's one of the hardest concepts for us to grasp is the fact that he called us to him for his purpose. Not ours. And our purpose is to glorify him. Period. That's it. You know, that's what that's what he told Satan. He said, What about my servant Job? And Job's purpose was to glorify God. And he did. And he did. Same with Pharaoh. Yeah. Pharaoh. Pharaoh. He hardened Pharaoh's heart for God's glory. Pharaoh called his own, he called the death of the firstborn of the whole, everything he, the firstborn. It wasn't just the firstborn child. 
It was the firstborn bull. It was of Eric. So if you had a bad bull, it was the firstborn of a, a bat. Knock them all out. Mama cow, same thing. Don't eat the whole huge man. The firstborn of every living thing died. Think of, you know, we, we think about, oh, well, he passed over to Israel. Yes, he did. But the firstborn of everything in Egypt died. Everything. Firstborn tree, except Israel. Yeah. Except Israel. Because Israel was tough. And if they didn't put, if they didn't put the blood on the little from the they died too. But it, it, it was a massive destruction thing. Look, the chariot. The horses that drove the chariot, the firstborn horses, all through the stable, died. The ones that were used for breeding, died. The, the, the bear, I mean, you talk about pigs, the whole shooting that. Birds. Can you imagine birds falling outside dead? When they wake up the next morning, it wasn't just that there were people moaning and groaning. There was death everywhere. On a massive scale across the whole country of Egypt. Death. And all we have to do is just glorify God. We will not understand the depth of the ramifications of the judgment on earth because we won't be here, but we'll see it. And we'll be amazed. Listen, have you seen the pictures and the measurement of the valley of, uh, of Armadale? It's going to be running with blood bridle high to a horse. It's almost going to run over the top to the south of the horse. So you know how many people they're going to take to fill that valley with their blood? 250 million. You, you started the message with um, life isn't fair. Yes. And uh, Paul ends up with, I've learned to be content. That's right. That's the hard thing. That's right. It's a hard thing to do. The operative words from God is fair. It's justice or mercy. Yeah. <laughs> and that is scary when you get to understand that. And we as Christians, we're going to be on Because we're not going to get what we deserve. We're not going to get what we deserve. Justice, all mercy and That's exactly right. By grace and mercy, I have been saved. So the lights on that we know where the furniture of the Old Testament is. That those people back in Paul say they were too. And uh, they were but they didn't have it. what we have is, is visibility of what's going on and now we have it. We're sitting sitting around on the furniture. Well, what wait a minute, how does this work? What's going on? But it's it is delicious. It, it should give us joy to find out that, oh my goodness, and I'm God's really, done this. He, he's made these things happen. When you, when you preach your sermon, maybe, just preach it with what you understand. And if you don't understand something, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to be there. And those who need to understand it will understand it. And those who don't want just preach, and that's the message God gives you, you preach it. Don't worry about what the audience is. Preach that message. 
Preach it with confidence, temper it with grace, and just preach it with preach. Let it come out. Ask God to ask you to ask yourself to decrease and let him increase and just let it flow. Let it flow. And you'll do just fine. I'm reading a book now. Y'all have read it. It's fine. Brandon Manning, Manning, uh, the Ragamuffin Gospel. And I thought that previous one I gave you was, uh, but the, the fact that the, his focus was on the love of God. Yeah, right. and he, and the minute you think, as a preacher, or as a deacon, or as a lay person, or just somebody sitting with you, that God loves you more than that person who just committed murder. Yeah. 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 You've you, you got to stop people. thinking about people and classes of people and I do this and like that scripture Paul you just read yeah. about it's not it doesn't, doesn't matter your heart and your effort yeah. it's what God gives you and what he wants to give you and if he wants to give mercy to that homeless person under the bridge, he will. If he wants to give it to you as a preacher, right. he will. Right. But it's up to him. Right. Not, not your desire. No. And to, to love that person who is, in our eyes, unlovable sometimes. Right. You know? Yeah. That's amazing. And to think, you know, we pass by every day. That's a soul that God loves as much as me. And see, that's it. Every one of them made in the thing. Now, we all look different. But what he's talking about, the image of God is our soul. Our soul is the image of God. That's, a, that's, the, that's the undestructible part of a human being is the soul. You can kill the body, you can kill the heart, you can remove the heart. You can destroy the body, but the soul you cannot touch. It belongs to God. Whether you want to believe it or not, that's all his head. And in, in uh, the story I have show with first chapter he couldn't touch a joke. In the second chapter he could not kill him. Right. Mm. He, he took the hedges of protection away but he didn't have that Holy Spirit. And once we're saved, the Holy Spirit is a hedge of protection in a sense that God is in and, and uh, he warns us and Everything else. You can't. The great thing about being in dwelling with the Holy Spirit is you cannot be possessed, possessed by Him. Because darkness cannot operate in the same place as light. That's a go to. And you can you can be oppressed. They can be on the outside pressing it down, but they cannot possess you because you have given yourself to God. Give your heart to the Lord. That's right. And you have a hedge of protection that Jeremy didn't have. And all you have to do is the oppression. Satan, get thee behind me. That's all you got to say. That's all you have to say. And he is gone. He can't say it because you are in well with Christ. Christ lives in you. Now, if he can confuse you and get you to question this and question that and get you to not, not do this or not do that, then he's with it. But the moment that you start doing things for him and you start seeing kingdom results, he's coming at you. He's coming at you. He's coming at the heart. So that's like us. When we start here, when we really get serious and start praying for the law, and we really 
these kids and we go out and we start walking the streets and prayer walking, watch what happens. There's going to be an all manner of cutting up kind of kids. Stop. You watch. You watch. I'm telling you. Because right now, we like them just the way we are. So we're individually going out and sharing gospel. We're not collectively doing it together as a group. That's going to change. <laughs> That's going to change. And when it does, you look out. There's going to be problems. There's going to be massive problems. People are going to start accusing people of things. I'm going to have a target on me. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I know. It's coming. You have to be praying up, and you have to put on the whole armor of God. And the great thing about the whole armor of God, you ain't got to worry about your back. There's no armor on your back. God's got your back. Satan can only attack you from the front. That's when he says, turn and flee. He turn and flee. He can't shoot you in the back. He can't. He can only attack you from the front. And the other thing that people misconceive about Satan is, he does not know your thoughts. He knows human nature, but he doesn't know what you think. He doesn't know how, and he can't. He can't own you. He's not. He's not like God. Oh, yes. He created me. He can only do what he sees and get. Now he's been around for a while. He knows what human human uh, uh, attributes are, and he knows he knows what makes people tick. You know, the thing that may be your vice might not be mine. And vice versa. But he knows how to put that vice there. He knows how to put that distraction there. Uh, he's good at what he does. He's good at what he does. He's a liar. And a thief. And a thief. And a murderer. You want to talk about a hypocrite? That's him. See, a hypocrite is, a, is a, uh, a, theolo- a, a theatrical term. If somebody pretends to be something they're not, what actors do? Oh, you know, we watch these TV programs, they're, they're hypocrites. They're pretending to be somebody they're not. He's pretending to be somebody he's not. He never will be. Anyway, here's this statement. Does Job fear God? This is Satan saying Does Job fear God for nothing? That's haunting for me. For nothing? Would you say to God? Any, any more questions? Any more comments? That's, uh, that's what the Lord is for. Hey, Father God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, we just ask you to bless our time. Thank you, Lord, for this Bible study. Thank you for the words that you put out, and thank you for the questions and the, and the thoughts, and how we just ask you to give us the ability to apply for our lives and walk them out in the world. Lord, we love you. Keep us safe. Bring us back to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.